I hope you can hear me over the fans. They're not fans, they're jet planes. I'm Julie, for those of you who don't know, those of you who are visiting, uh, I pastor this church with my husband, Phil, and uh, that was my beautiful daughter leading the worship, Jamie, wasn't she amazing? You know that um, God doesn't do anything without first he speaks to his children, the prophets. He speaks to his servants, prophets, whenever he goes to do anything. And at the beginning of every year, there's a bunch of people that meet and, you know, they pray and they wait on God. And they're called prophetic people. What's a prophet, you might ask? A prophet is someone who actually hears God. And he might hear God for an individual person or he might hear God for um, a family. He might hear God for a community. He might hear God for a church. Or he might hear God for a nation. And the prophets often get together and pray. And then at the beginning of the year, the prophetic people across the earth will come together and converge and they just sort of, you know, look at each other's notes and have a look and see if it matches up what God is saying. And it's so profound when people seek God's face and they hear him that it doesn't matter if you're in Switzerland or in Germany or you're over here in Australia or you're in Africa or wherever you are, the same Holy Spirit speaks the same language. And it's the language of love. And the Holy Spirit speaks to his church every year. God speaks to his church through the Holy Spirit and through the prophetic people so that the people know where they're going. You know, the scriptures say that without vision we perish. We have to have vision, and the prophetic people are basically the eyes of the church. So, you know, you you say that we are a body, we're the body of Christ, amen? And then the different gifts have different functions. And so the the prophetic people are like eyes, and we need the eyes. How many of you know we need eyes to see where we're going? And so it's good. You know, it says if you listen to the prophets, it will go well with you. So it's good to listen to what the prophetic people are saying and Phil and I, when we were just away for a couple of weeks, I just spent like days and days just downloading YouTubes and um, different, you know, um, emails from around the world and saying, what are the prophets saying? But before I did that, I started to seek God myself and say, God, what are you saying to your people for this coming year, 2012? And I just kept getting this word, favour, favour. Favor. I'm going to pour out my favor on my people. And I told Phil, I said, you know, I just keep getting this word favor. It's just like God just won't leave me alone with this word favor. And then I started to look at what other people were saying. And it was right, right across the earth, the people of God, the prophets of God are saying, God, this year is about to pour out unprecedented favor upon his people like we have never, ever seen before. Favour, even undeserved favour, is just going to blow our minds and really take the church to another level of being a light to the world. How many of you know that in the last days the church shall arise and shine? Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? Hello. Look at this scripture here, Luke 4, 18 to 19. And Jesus, when he had been... Um, tested by the the devil in the wilderness and he'd come out and he stepped into his ministry. And the very first thing he did in his ministry was go into the temple, he opened the scroll and he read this scripture out of Isaiah 
And he said, today this has been fulfilled in your sight. And this scripture says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This scripture is a prophetic scripture. In other words, it's an unfolding scripture. It was brought to fulfilment when Jesus came to the earth, when he paid the price with his blood, and he said, now this scripture is going to come to pass on the earth. And how did it come to pass on the earth? By Jesus being raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, releasing his Holy Spirit to the earth, to people just like you and me, ordinary people. And then he said, now you can say that scripture as if you own it. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. And when you read that scripture in Luke, you've got to put your name in there. You've been anointed. Now, if we're anointed to preach good news to the poor, we're anointed to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And I want to proclaim to you right now that 2012 is a year of the Lord's favour. A year of the Lord's favour. What does that mean, Pastor Julie? What does it mean? You know that the, the number 11, 2011, you know, God uses numbers. He uses numbers. And in 2011, 11 means either chaos or in the process of transformation. How many of you felt like in 2011 that you were in a process or a processor <laughs> or a blender? Well, maybe, maybe you were in one of those meatmenses things, you know. On the inside of you, as God was sending in chaos into your very spirit, <laughs> and Gail's going, I know that man. He was sending in chaos into your very spirit to stir up all that was inside of us. And I believe it's been happening over the last five years. I believe for five years now, there's this, been this transforming that's been happening. You know, in the 90s, we had an incredible move of God. And God swept through and he transformed so many people. And then he pulled his spirit back a little and he just said, keep going, keep going. And it was almost like, God, where are you now? Where are you? You came in such power and then you pulled back on us. And God was doing a transforming work deep inside of us where we couldn't so easily just go, oh, well, God will fix it. Oh, well, God will be there. It was almost like God wanted his people to grow up and allow that process to work inside of their lives. 2011, the year of chaos, which leads to transformation. Amen? And the number 12, the number 12 stands for government. It stands for the transformation coming to fulfillment and releasing a governmental spirit upon God's people to move in the gifts that are, they are called to move in, to preach here good news to the poor with great authority and great power, to release freedom to the prisoners that are captive. There's going to be a great release of freedom to the prisoners that are captive. We say, you know, I'm not talking about people behind bars. 
I'm talking about people behind spiritual walls. I'm talking about people that are, that are held captive by depression and oppression and drug abuse. People that are held captive by their own childhoods that have left them with mindsets about themselves, with self-hatred and with, with bulimia and, and um, different eating disorders. I'm talking about people that feel like killing themselves every day. They're prisoners in their own minds. And God is releasing an anointing in 2012, a governmental anointing upon his people that will release the prisoners and set them free. Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah. The recovery of sight to the blind. We're not talking about uh, physically blind people, although God does do that. We know that. But we're talking about spiritually blind people. We're talking about a spirit of blindness that's come over the nations of the earth. The scriptures say that the enemy puts a blindfold or a covering over the minds of the people so they cannot believe in God. And when we see this year of favour, we see this blindfold lifting. We see this veil lifting. The veil is lifting in 2012 because God is calling in a harvest of souls like we have never seen before. They're saying 2012 that there should be at least one billion souls come to the Lord Jesus Christ in this year. Now, I want to believe that with all my heart. Amen. What was the figure I gave to you the other day about China? Every hour, there are how many people coming to the Lord in China? I think it was 75,000 people an hour coming to the Lord right now in China. I'm talking an hour. 75,000 people an hour. It's amazing. It's a big country. A lot of people. God's got to do it extra fast there. You know what I mean? I mean, there's five people in every motorbike. You just got to go, boom, saved. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whole motorbike saved. Great. (laughs) But God's doing it. Amen? God's doing it. And then he's releasing the oppressed. And I I don't know about you, but I've seen so much oppression. So much oppression, especially last year. Even in the church. Even in us. You know, many of us have struggled over that period of time where God was just working in us something so amazing, something so beautiful. How many of you know something beautiful really, you know, sometimes is ugly in the process? Um, You know, those that have watched childbirth would know. That is pretty ugly. And then out pops this baby and it's just like, wow. Oh, so beautiful. I was there for both of my daughter's births. I was right at the end like, come on, baby, come to Nana. And uh, it wasn't the prettiest sight, but once that little head popped through, it was like, yes! And then this little baby I'm holding five minutes later in my arms. Like, it's so amazing. And many of you are going to feel like that. Many of you are going to feel like you've come through the birth canal. Many of you are going to feel like you've been covered in stuff and uh, blood and guts and you've been fighting and fighting and fighting and not really seeing much breakthrough. But I'm saying and I'm declaring to you that this is the year of the breakthrough. This is the year of the birthing of who you are and who you were called to be and what you were called to do. Amen? It's a fresh start. It's a brand new start. And God is giving it to his people, even those who don't deserve it, which is all of us. 
<laughs> I was excited. Am I the only one smiling? Woo! I've got, I wrote down a few things this afternoon that I thought he was speaking to me. That he's going to release us into governmental position. I believe the church is coming into a place right now in this year where it's going to be the head and not the tail. You know, where it's going to be, the blessings are going to come in. And we're going to be seen to not be the ones that are struggling and have crappy driveways and um, while the sex shop has the best posters and we get the little bus stop signed, you know what I'm saying? The sex shop has two posters on Tugra Strait and we've got a bus stop. Things are going to change in 2012. I said to Phil, I said to Phil, just an act, as an act of believing God, that it's, he, he is going to do what he said he's going to do. I declare we take out that poster, that's, that big billboard on Tugra Strait before the sex shop gets another one. And all the people went, oh no. <laughs> God will provide, amen. He's going to release gifts. You know, and I said, is Matt here? Is Matt here? He's not here. I said over a guy this morning, you know, that he's, you know, some of us have been, had gifts prophesied over us when we were young people and even teenagers and, you know, those of us that are older and we're going to start to see the fulfilment of those gifts come to pass and many of you young people, you know, you, you think that God's got something on you and you don't even want to say it, you know, you, you kind of think it and you've been feeling stuff and sensing stuff, but this year God's going to reveal it to you by his spirit, and you're going to walk in it, I mean. The Lord's also going to release an inner strength to those who are battle-weary. And I was thinking about the story of Ruth, and, and Ruth, you know, she was a widow, and, and uh, she followed Naomi, and she said, you know, your God will be my God, and she fought some pretty heavy battles in her own life. And when she followed Naomi, they went to a place where they really had no provision. And it was in the law that if you were poor, you were allowed to glean from the harvest fields. And the harvest fields were when they they would harvest the fields and whatever fell from the harvesting um, tools or the harvesting machines or whatever they used, whatever fell to the ground, the poor were allowed to pick that up. It was called gleaning. And they would glean the fields. And it says that Ruth gleaned the four corners of Boaz's paddock. There was like a huge portion of land and she gleaned it being poor. And many of you have gleaned the four corners of what God has given you and almost just, you know, put up with the scraps. Almost like said, you know, well, you know, well, if the scraps are good enough, I'll eat them. And you, you know, there's been so much hard times for you. There's been so many times where you felt, you know, God, are you there for me? And God's been doing that on purpose because he's been growing his people up. He's been growing us up, getting us ready for a time where he would pour out favour on us that we would not take it for granted and that we would, would not treat it lightly, but we would be so grateful uh, that we would just step into all that God has called us to be. And Ruth was gleaning these fields and then one day Naomi sort of went, she got a prophetic word, it's time. 
And she said, you've got to go to Boaz. Now, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. And if you read the book of Ruth, he's actually a picture of Jesus, of what Jesus would be to us, our redeemer. And he was the kinsman redeemer. In other words, if she was a widow and the next one in line didn't want to marry Ruth, then he would have to marry her and redeem her out of her poverty. And so, and so Naomi said, go lay at his feet tonight out of the field and if he covers you over, it means that he's going to be your kinsman and redeemer. And I felt that many of you, and myself included, have come to a place, especially in the last five years, where we just felt all I can do is lay at Jesus' feet. That's all I can do. I, I, I can glean the fields. I can, I can work. I can do what he's asking me to do with the little strength that I have. And then I just got to lay at his feet because I don't know what else to do but lay at his feet. And you know, what happened to Naomi, uh, to Ruth was that he actually covered her over with his grace and he married her. And Ruth went from being a gleaner of the fields, a poor woman, to being the owner of the field and being able to have the best of the land. And God is saying this year that we are going to step into this place where we're not just going to be gleaning the fields any longer, but you're going to come into a place of government authority where you're going to own the field. We're going to take ownership over that which God has given us as our kinsman, redeemer, Jesus, covers us over with favour. Amen? And we're going to step into that favour, even undeserved as it is. Amen? And we're going to walk in his grace, his undeserved favour. We're going to walk in the anointing that he has given us. So if you're tired and you're weary, join the club. Most of us are, but there's coming upon us an inner strength deep down inside of us to those who are battle-weary, and I believe a large portion of reward to those who have chosen to lay at Jesus' feet instead of give up. Amen? Are you getting it? Amen. I believe that he's about to pour out favour like oil. And this was what one of the prophets said, and it just I started to cry when she was saying it. She said that she had a dream. And she saw the people of God individually giving bottles of oil. And the oil was called favour. And God told the people to drink it. And they were drinking the favour of God and they literally became drunk on favour. There was so much favour being poured out that the people of God were drunk on favour. They were so filled with favour that it was just pouring out of them all over the place and touching everything around them. And I believe this year we're going to walk in that favour. And I'm, I'm, whoa, I want that. Do you want that? And I just don't want that for me. I don't just want that for me. Yes, it's nice, but you know what? I'll glean the fields till I get home, Jesus. It doesn't worry me. I'll work as hard as you need me to work till I get home. Even if I don't see much return, it doesn't worry me because every soul is worth it to me. Amen? Every little heart that comes to Jesus is worth it that I glean as hard as I can to get those fields ready. But I tell you what, I want it for them. Because I don't want just one or two to come to the Lord. I want the multitudes The Bible says there's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And what's going to turn them to God? 
The scriptures say it's the kindness of the Lord that brings people to repentance. It's his goodness that turns their head. When they see that he blesses you even when you don't deserve it, they're going to say, oh, I want some of that. I want a piece of that. I mean, I know you. You're a scumbag and God's blessing you. Surely he'll bless a scumbag like me. I want some of that. Show me how to get to this Jesus of yours. Will you tell me about this Jesus of yours who loves people even if they're not that good? Tell me about this Jesus of yours who died for men while they were still sinners. Tell me about this Jesus of yours who blesses you even when you don't deserve it. Because I don't deserve it, but I need some love in my life. And humanity needs to be loved. And they need to understand. You know, when you talk to people in Australia particularly about God, the first thing they'll say to you, oh, I wouldn't go to church. The church roof would fall into my head. Or, you know... I'll go to church when I get my life together, you know, or I'm not good enough for God. They have this concept that God is, God is a judge and that he just sits there just doing, scoring them and that they'll never pass, you know. I remember when I was eight years old and I just began to search for God. I was in a non-Christian, raised in a non-Christian home and I was starting to ask questions in my own little heart as an eight-year-old is God real? Does God exist? And my little friend from school, I started to ask her, is God real? And she goes, oh, I go to church. I said, oh, great. She said, do you want to come? I'd love to go to church. So I asked my mom, can I go to church with my friend and her family? She goes, yep. And so we went along to church. It was this big building. There's statues everywhere. There's funny smelling incense. I didn't understand any of it. Everybody was sitting down, kneeling down, standing up, doing all this stuff. My little eight-year-old mind was just going, where's God? When are they going to tell me who God is? When are they going to introduce me to him? And I'm looking around, and then they all started going down to have communion, down to the priest. It was, you know, one of those churches. And, and, um, you know, the priest is putting communion on their tongues. So I watched, and my little friend said, come on, come on. And I'm eight years old and I went down the front and I stuck my tongue out like a good girl, thinking that, you know, here I'm going to get the blessing. This is where I'll find God. I stick my tongue out, I'm going to get the blessing like everyone else and I'll find God. And I stood there with my tongue out like this and the, and the, the priest didn't put it on my tongue. And then I looked around, everybody's staring at me. And then he said, are you a Catholic? And I said, I don't know. And he says, Go out, little girl. Go away. And I just looked at, him, looked at all the people and ran away. And that was my impression of church until Jesus came to visit me personally when I was 21 years old to show me that God is not like that, that God doesn't chase children out of church, that he welcomes them, that he loves the little children and he loves people and he's not a judge and we don't have to do a set of rules to please him. We don't have to tick boxes, but he is gracious and kind and loving and good. And he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us so that we might live. And every day he looks down at humanity and he cries out. He cries out for humanity. And he looks at his church that his son has died for. 
that his son has left the gifts to release to his church. And he says, when will you rise up into the favour that I have given you? And we turn back and we say, 2012, God, it's the year for us. It's the year, amen. Give the Lord a hand as if you're excited right now. (laughs) Woo, yeah. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. A deep darkness is over the peoples of the earth, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory shall be seen in you. And if you read that whole Isaiah 60, you will see that the wealth of the nations will come, that favour will come, that your sons and daughters will be brought to you, that fame will go out and people will hear of you, that your gates will be open night and day as people stream in. I mean, it's a prophetic scripture, I believe, for 2012. That's your homework. Go home and read Isaiah 60 and let God really speak to you. I would read it to you, but for time's sake, it's your homework. Amen. God's going to give us his favour for these reasons, and I'll quickly give them to you. Number one, to reveal his great love to us. Number two, to declare that we are his people. You know, in the Old Testament, if, if people needed to know if God was for you or not, they would look at the blessings on your life. They would look at Israel and they would see that if Israel was blessed and things were going well, then God was with them. Amen? And there was a time where Israel was getting so blessed and Israel was just prospering so much. God's people were just radically being blessed as we're going to be this year. And the kings of the enemies around them, they wanted to defeat Israel, but Israel was too powerful in its blessings and they couldn't defeat Israel. And so they called a prophet who was a prophet of God and they saying, we know that if you speak it will happen. And so we want you, we're going to pay you money to prophesy and to curse God's people. And this prophet wanted the money, he was a bad guy. And so he said, okay, well, I'll give it a go. And he go, I'll go and seek God and see if I can curse the people. And he goes and seeks God to see if he can curse God's people. And this is what he comes back and says. Numbers 23, 19 to 20. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and cannot change it. And there's another scripture that says, how can I curse that which God has blessed? And I'm telling you that you're going to walk in a blessing and a favour this year so much that no devil is going to be able to stop it. No bad people around you are going to be able to cast you down with their words. You're going to walk in so much favour and blessing that you're going to be like in a bubble of favour all around you, in Jesus' name, amen. God wants to lavish us with his love, number two. Number three, he wants to do this so that we'll be his witnesses. See, he's going to give us favour so that we can go out and be his witnesses. I want to show you a YouTube, and as um, the YouTube's coming to a close, we'll hand out communion, but don't hand it out while the YouTube's going. I really want them to just take this in.
We're going to hand out that communion. It's his time. He's going to pour out favour on us, not so that we can just accumulate more stuff, more blessing, more good things. He's going to pour out favour on us so that we would go out and see, so that we would go out and preach to the poor, to set the captives free, to release the prisoners, to open the eyes of the blind and to declare the year of the Lord's favour to mankind. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So we're going to take communion right now. You know, I could lay hands on you right now and say, well, be blessed, be blessed. But you know what? Right now, God just wants you to make a decision in your own heart to say, God, I want your favour. But I want to use this favour wisely. And I want you to open up my eyes to see humanity around me and see those people as if they've got signs on them and use me as an advocate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So just take your communion in your hand as as you have it and Jamie's going to just sing this song over us.